Well, good afternoon, Richard. It's been far too long, mate. It has, my friend. When did we do the first podcast? A couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we're coming from a very special location today. Where are we? This is our um, filming studio and... Jesus Christ, that's a crown of thorns. That's a crown of thorns starfish. Yeah, that's true. So we're at James Cook University in the JCU Biopixel studio where we have some of the world's most venomous animals. There's What's in the back there? Stonefish and cone shells. Got a cone shell. That round tank there, we normally... In summer months, we'll have Irukandji in there. Mm. And then outside, we have our big reef tank and mangrove tank where we've got a baby um, crocodile Salty. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and salty. a tank full of stonefish. We've got about 100 stonefish why, here. Why, why do you collect so many stonefish? Uh, Jamie Seymour, who is our guru here, yeah. is, um, he collects the venom from the stonefish. He milks them. He milks him. You milk a stonefish. Is he a very small bloke? Yeah, yeah. Little hands going Tiny underneath. Tiny little guy gets underneath. Yeah, underneath the stonefish. I respect that. No, he takes the venom out of the um, the dorsal spines, and then the venom goes down to Melbourne, where it's turned into anti-venom. So is this you, whole setup about anti-venom? It's about filming and anti-venom. Yeah. So, so behind me, the tank is the um, the original Nemo, as they yes. call it. So those that particular pair of clownfish appears in the David Attenborough series about the Great Barrier Those Reef. Those ones. Yep. So the world's first footage of clownfish eggs hatching, that's the mum and dad. They're the actual parents. That's the actual parents. That's amazing. So, yeah. Okay, it's quite cute. And I wish you could see it. That's why I'll you take have a... these um, gurgle sounds in the background. Yeah. It's, it's not Andy's um, intestine. Stomach, no. It's actually uh, water going through the um, filters. I will take a photograph. I'll, take a, I'll do an Instagram video. You can see the, uh, the clownfish if you're interested. And I'll take a photograph of the gigantic crown of thorns huge. trying to get out of that tank. Jesus Christ, is this down to me? Well, there you go. So, so what's been happening? Oh, what's been lots, happening? There's been a lot, hasn't there? Um, and uh, actually one of the things was when you on, um, didn't you have a nice lunch on Friday? I had a nice little lunch on Friday. I you was, were on Octopus. Yes, Paul Allen's mega yacht. I was invited on for a lunch. And, what were you doing? Were you waiting? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I had to wash a lot of dishes. With 80 crew on board, it took me so, ages to get through them all. You know. what, you Normally got, they use dishwashers. But when they you say got hand, through them all, in what ball. way? Yeah. So, no. so um, uh, we, funnily enough, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Paul Allen's boat and um, because they discovered the Lexington out yes. of Coral Sea. So that's his other boat, which is I called it Petrel. Wasn't the, wasn't the octopus? Ah. So he bought a um, dedicated research boat called Petrel. Yeah. And it has a lot of the his mega deep sea assets on it. Yeah. And yeah, only a couple of weeks ago they found the Lexington in two and a half kilometers of water. Yeah, amazing. The images and the and the the aircraft that was sitting. So this is one of the carriers that went down in the Battle of the Coral Sea. And um, the images of the of the aircraft still on the on the on the aircraft carrier, like you still see the cartoons drawn on the side or painted on the side of these um, of these aircraft because it's two and a half kilometres deep. Yeah, so and, no um, no light, no algae growth. Some of the planes look like they'd just been dropped in yesterday. They totally did. It was no, it's pretty amazing. So have a look at have a look on the uh, on the interwebs. If you want to have a look at some of the footage, and of course he's famous for. Discovering the Indianapolis uh, last year, was last that? Last year, yeah. So they've found, they're telling me, over 20 wrecks in the last two years. All se- are they all Second World War? Or? Oh, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, whole Japanese, American, and others. But yeah, obviously the Indianapolis is a very famous boat because of 
a uh, number of things, including yes. one of our favourite movies. Yeah, Jaws, of course. The famous, the famous uh, speech um, when they're sitting in the boat waiting, waiting at night time, right? Yep, having a few about, drinks, just like we're doing scars, now. Very similar to right very now. Very similar to now. Comparing scars, a very similar level of scars, me and Richard. Yep. I've got this one from when I fell off my bike. I've got a shark bite on this leg. Yeah, you can still I've see the teeth. I've got this one from when I fell off a swing. Oh, okay. This one here is from a moray eel. Yeah, I've got this one here. This is where... Um, it's from this a crown of thorn starfish. Karen King broke my heart. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, watch the film. That's really funny. So the Indianapolis was the last US boat to be sunk in World War Two. Yeah. It was a battleship that dropped off the A-bomb. Cruiser. To... It was a cruiser. Cruiser. It was a cruiser. And yeah. it's most famous... Well, it's famous for lots of things, but... Um, how many people survived? I always got my numbers wrong. Oh, eight hundred hit the water. Eight hundred and about two hundred or something got out. Right? Yeah, and um, and they were in the water for ten days. It was like an incredible because they hadn't radioed that they were going because it, no it was all top secret. Yeah. So so no one knew it was there, and they were finally discovered. I think by a Catalina or something flying over the top, and then um, and in, in yeah. So if you if you if you watch the Jaws movie, Quint he's a survivor. He's the survivor, and tells his story in only the sort of way that Robert Shaw could tell that story it's Robert Shaw isn't it it is Robert Shaw yeah. actually yeah. Um, just to name drop because I yeah. like to do things like that no, I've seen that Yeah, I got to work uh, quite a few times with Ron and Val Taylor and they filmed the underwater sequences for Jaws and I remember Ron telling me the story about you know this, this little guy from America this director came out and said I want to make a movie about the shark and you know I only got a tiny budget I can give right. you I think it was like yeah, there's a couple of tens of thousands of dollars, or I'll give you a couple of percentage points of the movie. Oh, well, as he said, the only movie that this dude had made before, we're talking was, about Spielberg here, was a thing called Jewel, which is about to yeah. kill a truck. So, oh my god, can you imagine how much money that would have been? Oh, and he said, So, cool stuff about Jaws, they had a little guy in the cage, right? They yes. made a smaller cage. And got a small guy to go in as the diver, to so make that the sharks look bigger. The shark looked bigger, but then the shark went a bit mental. Yeah, so it got hung up in the rope in one scene when they were filming it, and when it's back sh- in the nineteen seventies, right? So oh yeah, because yeah, it came out in seventy six or seventy seven, yeah, yeah. didn't it? But when they um, Ron and Val showed the, the images to Spielberg and Peter Benchley, who was the writer, yeah. they rewrote the whole scene to have Richard Dreyfus in the cage. When the yeah, shark gets yeah, yeah. caught up in it and it snaps free and it goes down. So, so if you think about it in the movie, if you watch the movie or remember the movie, it's the bit where um, they pull and then they pull the cage out of the water and there and uh, Richard Dreyfus is gone and they're like, oh no, and it's and it's just down down to um, Roy, uh, yeah, Roy Schneider, Roy Schneider, Schneider, yeah, Roy Schneider and um, and uh, Robert Shaw, and yeah, what a cool movie. But anyway, the Indianapolis, which they which um, the Vulcan Group found. Is it Vulcan Group found? Yeah, that's yeah. his um, non-for-profit group. So, yeah. but the boat itself, well, the octopus. Yeah, eighty crew. Was, was, it, was it nice? Is it similar to the sort of boats you normally go on? Oh yeah, yeah. I go on these kind of boats all the time. Yeah. No, seriously, it's like walking in a James Bond set. Like, yeah, right. it is unbelievable. So, the this is the largest expedition boat in the world. Yeah. So the back of it lifts up. And the inside floods. Inside this thing is a 16-man submarine and a tender. Inside? Inside. It inside parks octopus. inside it. Yeah. So it opens up the back and it floods the inside of this boat. 16-people submarine? Yeah. 
And they've got this massive tender in there as well, this big, beautiful boat that sits in there as well. So, and then along all the sides, the gangways, which goes into the, um, into the boat, you press a button and it's like... So what's your, what's your living your James Bond champagne-driven existence? Did you manage to secure any major funding for the Great Barrier Reef? Anyway, so we've yeah, got the next yeah, topic. Yeah. Um, no, no, I've got to tell you one more cool yeah, thing about the boat on. that I did have a look at. Go on. In the bow, you walk down right into the nose of the boat, and you go down these stairs, yeah. and it goes through another watertight automatic door, it opens up, and yeah. there's a lounge suite, it's got a little bar behind it, but yeah. on the floor, between all the lounges, is a glass floor. No. So you can sit there and watch things underneath the boat. So, so just, for, just for our listener, Richard's mum... Um, I, I was trying to get Richard to get me into lunch, which he could quite easily have done, but just chose not to. I had things I had to talk about. Yeah. So Dis- yeah. Disappointing. Do you want to see a photo of the sub? Oh, go on then. I can show you, but I can't show the <laughs> you. Listeners. have to go. You got to post it now. That's inside it. Oh my god. All right. Oh my god, that's like a full-on. It's like a military. It's, it's a military, setup. like a landing ship. Yeah, like a landing ship, amphibious. Oh, right. That's nice. So okay, impressive. So, you be jealous? Did they have? Did they have? Um, did what were they serving? Forex or was it gold or? It was lunchtime. I wasn't drinking. What did you drink then? I actually had water. <laughs> did you bring anything good. off the boat? No. There's a lot of security. Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I can't believe you nicked that. Okay, excellent. All right, moving on. So, so, so wait, wait, wait! You've been, yeah. You reckon I'm bad dropping names, but you've been hanging I, with royalty. Yeah, I do hobnob a bit. That's true. I was um, uh, on Lady Elliot Island with His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales. Who didn't you work for a long time I ago? I did actually work for the Prince of Wales. I have. You many, wanted me to ask that question? You? You, <laughs> just, you just had that look on your face. Only, like, only ask because me, it's very rare that you actually show any interest or ask any questions. So. I was, that's good. So now I'm going to take it and run with it. Yes, okay. I, yes I did work for the Prince of Wales. I was um, at the Prince's Trust before I came out to Australia back in um, 2002. I used to run um, a whole lot of events for the Prince of Wales, including all the big concerts in Hyde Park. And, um, uh, you know, like with the Spice Girls and all that kind of shenanigans. Oh, now you're really dropping names. Yeah, well, <laughs> old names. But... Um, no, it was an amazing job, but it was good to see uh, Prince of Wales. He was out in Bundaberg first before he was here for the for the Commonwealth Games. Um, he's not competing; he was there to help open them. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so he, then he came out to Lady Elliot Island. We really, really wanted to get him out to the reef because you know, a couple of months ago he was him and Harry were doing a big event in London um, around reef conservation. Well, it would have been brilliant to get him in the water, but it was rough. Rough day. The weather oh, wasn't it was good, super was rough. It? I actually went out with... Um, How was the flight out? Bouncy? For me, bouncy. Yeah, right. And when they land... Lady Elliot Island's a pretty small runway. Mm. Um, and when the guy landed the plane, we were in a caravan plane, and um, he really pushed it down on the ground when he came down. <laughs> he was like, up and down, up and down. I was just coming into this grass landing strip on this very small little island, and the, the, the landing strip's very short. Um, sort of aircraft carrier short, and he, he pushed it right down on the floor. It was quite a, you know... And I, I had very irritatingly pulled my Achilles uh, tendon. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Achilles tendon. So I was walking around, and I had to go into Harvey Bay and buy an umbrella for a walking stick. So I was walking around, I looked like bloody Charlie Chaplin, walking around um, uh, Lady yeah, Elliot Island. 
I'm, honestly, I've, I'm injured all, all over from my um, adventurous lifestyle. So, yeah, I was walking the dog when I pulled the tendon. Oh, yeah. dangerous. Um, well, so, the, your dog is tidy. <laughs> yeah, it's not my dog. It's the kid's dog, actually. But, yes, the dog is not large. It's a Jack, Jack it's a Russell. Jack Russell. Yeah, but it's irritating. It's more, if you took how irritating Nettie the dog is versus its size, it would be a massive dog. Wow. So you went from the Prince's Trust to starting Earth Hour... Well, I went to, to Prince Trust to, to, to working for WWF yep. and, you know, changed job because I love the reef. And then started Earth Hour at um, WWF, ran that for eight years, then went back to Europe and ran Circuit Economy and then came back to run Citizens a year ago. And managed to meet Prince of Wales uh, on Lady Elliot Island as part of that, which is quite cool. And how's the island looking besides being uh, a bit The reef, well, it was bumpy. I mean, as in the water was very bumpy, but I did manage to get in the water. I was in the water with um, a friend of mine, John Tanzer, who um, works for WWF, but used to be part of Gabrumpa. I remember. You remember John? I used to work at Gabrumpa when yeah, John was he, there. He remembers you. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, there's a few reasons I left. Yeah, no, there's a stuff we should just go straight over. Just miss, yeah. But um, so I went in the water, and I got to see... Um, we could not very good visibility, quite hard getting out because you kind of have to go out through the surf a bit when it's mm. rough. And um, but I managed to get out there and had a good snorkel. And I saw for the first time in my life I saw a um, uh, uh, olive sea snake. What depth of water were you in when you saw the snake? Oh, really shallow. Like, so it's like pretty four meters, maybe yeah, maybe it's less. It's pretty rare, eh? Because normally the olives, you know, places you see them are like uh, the Angola shipwreck. Yeah, there's a few. Famous dives up in the ribbon reefs like Lighthouse Bommy. Yeah. But the olive sea snakes really generally like 15, 20 metre depth structure. Yeah. Where they spend like an hour or two down there, they come up for a quick breath. It's and down. Neat. So you were lucky. I, I was super excited. They're fat, right? Well, they're quite a thick I mean, snake. Not in an offensive way, but. No, no, no. So sea snakes, true sea snakes. Yeah. So there are two types of sea snakes out there there's the true sea snakes and the, um, the pretends. Uh, pretend is like a sea crate, like the black and white ones you get through yeah, yeah. Indonesia. Those ones still have to come on land to lay eggs. Uh, Whereas the true sea snakes, he's got, yeah, the eggs right. hatch internally. So it's a purely aquatic lifestyle. And because the true sea snakes also spend their entire life in the, in the water, yeah. their belly has a keel. So they're better at swimming. Whereas the sea crate... So olive, olive snake is a true... True sea snake. Ah. Whereas a sea crate doesn't have the keel on the belly because it still has to crawl as part of its ah, lifestyle. Right and the true sea snakes also have a paddle-shaped tail. Really big, fat, big, flat fat tail. tail. And so that's why they look big fat. Head, diamond head. Yeah, yeah, pretty of? big, beefy head. But yeah, that's why they look fat. Tail. It's because of the keel. So it's ah. yeah. But um, they're up there in the top ten of the most venomous snakes in the world. So yeah. they feed on fish, and what they're doing is. They'll go down and snuffle around the reef structure, sticking their head into all the holes, trying to find fish that are inside, like gobies and fish yeah. that are... And then they'll pin them against the side with their body, Yeah. turn around, bite them, and envenomate them, ah. and then swallow their prey whole. Ah. But they're beautiful animals to be in the water with. Yeah, amazing. They've and got pretty crap eyesight, so they'll come up close to you, but they're not, they're not aggressive yeah, at all. Yeah, that's what I was told. They're, they're very curious. Very curious. And you really has to. You really, really, really have to piss them off yeah. to get bitten. John was telling me, you've been bitten by one, haven't you? Oh, I've been bitten a few times. 
because no one pisses dangerous and venomous animals off quite like a cameraman. Yeah. John was telling me that um, he'd been on a dive and, um, you know, it wasn't work, it wasn't a working dive, it was like a leisure dive, and there was some guy pulling a, an olive um, sea snake's tail. Yeah. It was like, this is a classic case of you're about to watch the Darwin... Um, the Darwin effect, but so what? How come you got bitten by? And how come you're not dead? Because they are immediately dead, aren't they? No, they no, no. Not... <clears throat> With a lot of venomous snakes, you can get blank bites, so they'll bite you because they're upset, but actually not deliver the venom. Oh, just like a yeah. So the only time I had envenomation, I only was slightly, slightly envenomated, was from a um a snake bite um at at the aquarium in Townsville actually. When I was feeding them, uh, the other bites have been when we've been catching them to milk them for venom, and right. they've just turned around and have got quite upset and bitten me. But on all those occasions, they ended up being blank bites. But um, one of the, one of the ones we had only recently, last year, year before, Jamie Seymour, who works with us here on the venom, yeah, yeah. we were up up in Weeper collecting box jellyfish yeah and um, I'd flown in from an all, all night party in Sydney and hadn't slept and then as soon as I got into Weeper at lunchtime he's like I want to do box jellies a Sarvo and so we went out got some jellyfish I'm like yeah pretty tired and he said oh we want to go catch some sea snakes tonight and I'm like seriously I hadn't slept in 48 hours so I, I put a 9 o'clock cut off and how we catch sea snakes up there is that we go in a little boat and have headlamps and yep. spotlights, and you spotlight them on the surface. There's amazing diversity of sea snakes up in Weeper. And you go scoop them out of the water with a net. Anyhow, we've got a few species. And it was like 9 o'clock, it was like, right, that's it, we're heading in. And so we're heading back in, and we saw this big snake on the surface that I'd never seen that species before. What Jamie had never seen it. I was like, oh, okay, grab it. So we grabbed it, and we've got it, and we're looking at it, and we're like, we better key it out. So we got the key out, and we're going through, like, 40 different items. And I think we're up to, like, item 36. What's a key it out? Oh, like a scientific key, which is a list of, you know, does it have a tail, yes or no? How many uh, scales on the head? Does it have dots? Uh, right. and, it's, and it's a thing you use to work, work out what species it is. So you're keying all these different levels. So it's basically a key that gets you progressively more irritating towards the snake. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Jamie's hanging on to the poor thing. Yeah. I think we're up to item 32 or 36. And I was like, how many, <laughs> how many teeth in front of the fang? And he had this little, little um, pip, pipette. And he's you know, counting the teeth. Like one, two, three. And all I hear is shit. <laughs> I looked up, and here's a snake latched onto his finger. And, like, <laughs> and we're thinking, then it, the snake fell on the floor. We put it in the in the in the bin, yeah, the bucket thing we had. Put the lid on it, and it was one of those shock moments where did that just happen? Did he die? Unfortunately, he's still with us. Right. So, but yeah, we put the pressure bandage on, rushed him into the Weeper Hospital. We're getting there, and they're yeah. like, he can't stay here. We need to get the flying doctor in. And I'm like. And they're like, it's going to get here at three in the morning. And I'm like, are you serious? So I've still been up for 48 <laughs> hours. So, so I filmed the whole thing, naturally. Yeah, yeah. And then just as he's leaving, he's like, remember, you've got to be out on the water tomorrow at five in the morning because we were filming River Monsters with Jeremy Wade. And so it's just like, it wasn't even worth going to bed. So we just went straight to filming. So had he been, did he have venom? No. Well, that was the debate. So then... There's one vial of sea snake anti-venom left in the hospital. So when yeah. they flew him to Cairns Base Hospital, yeah. the debate was, do they put the anti-venom in him first before they release the pressure bandage yeah. or wait to see if he becomes symptomatic when they release the bandage? Oh. And guess what? In the end, it was a blank bite. 
So he didn't get the anti-venom, sat there for a, a day. Who is this, Jamie? Jamie. Ah. So yeah, so anyhow, sea snakes, fun. Amazing animals though. But you got to see one, that's I pretty cool. I was really excited about it. You're lucky to see one in shallow water. Yeah, no, it was very cool. And Lady Elliot, the, the, um, Lady Elliot, the, uh, the, the coral look fantastic and it's just a pleasure to be out. But the island's the nice too, the top side. Yeah, so so if you you've, have you been in in Peter, you know Peter Gash is yes. uh, the museum. Have you been in that? Have you been in his museum? Oh, the museum, the old lighthouse and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, the old generator room. The generator shit. Yeah, amazing. So if anyone um, ever goes to Lady Elliot, um, there is this little sort of secret museum right next to the old lighthouse. There's a new lighthouse which is sort of scaffolding. There's an old one which is a kind of classic. Which has you know, been restored beautifully. Restored exactly, and uh, inside the lighthouse, it, a generator hut. You can see all the pictures of the island. So they, they stripped the island for... Um, guano. Guano, right. Bird so, poop. Yeah, bird, bird shit. So, so basically you have this island which would have been... And the photographs show it was so desolate. Had no vegetation on it. And um, it just had one house. So there's a story of the, of the lighthouse keeper and his wife. And his wife just one day just walked into the, into the waves and disappeared because... She couldn't handle oh, the desolation. Oh, can you imagine? But it used to be called Shipwreck Island, right? Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it was not and only that the vegetation the... was gone, but all the rain. It was like cast eroded limestone. Yeah, It yeah, would have yeah. been like walking on razors. Like, yeah. Oh my god. So they built it up. They built up all. Uh, they actually let the weeds grow on it, and that's built up the amount of soil. And now they've revegged the whole most of the island. And, and it's got a little on forest it on it now, and yeah, so. Very cool place to go, and Peter Gash and his family, very lovely people, good people. Good reef. Good reef. Guardian type good islands, good people, pleasure to be there. And the Prince was there, and so I actually never said what he did. Oh, so yeah. we, we, we had a whole load of um, uh, big companies, it was organised by the Prince's Trust and the Great Barry Foundation, and um, it was... Uh, no, it's really cool. So, you know, CEO of Lendlease and there's some people from Qantas and from Virgin and everyone was a big well, poo bar. What so when Qantas and Virgin get together? Actually, do you know what? It was amazing. Nothing exploded. Really? Well, not on the surface at least. Oh, okay. So, um, no, it's good. So I'm still waiting for my invitation. You were invited, but you couldn't be asked to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but the, it's um, maybe, you know, this whole rethink, I keep saying this line and we need this new era of collaboration so let you know let us hope that that was the start of it that's why the prince was out there so you know hopefully um and he's got this, some good he's stuff. got a philosophy on economy as well called yeah it was blue economy which is really similar to the stuff that i've been working on the whole thing that citizens of the great barrier reef is based on which is you know how do you have all the things we want in life you know better quality better standard of living more people going to middle class when we know all the numbers of population are go going beyond nine billion how do you do that without destroying the planet. And it's all to do with, you know, very smart management of materials. Because they had a massive pushback on plastic in the UK as a result of Blue Planet 2 going out, didn't they? Totally. There's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a revolution going on around the world at the moment. We've seen a bit, we'll talk about it in the second half of the podcast. Um, but there's a bit of that going on in Cairns. So maybe, maybe we'll come back to that in the second half. That's right. We need more beer. We do. And uh, we're going to have a beer break. We'll be back to you very shortly. <laughs> Okay, we're back from our beer break. What are we? Yeah. Um, straws. Tell me about straws. Oh, straws. So, 
I think we were talking about this the first time on the first podcast, but um, quite a big deal, actually. Um, Bob Manning, the mayor of Cairns, inspired by 11-year-old Molly, um, is um, with Cairns Regional Council, is rolling out a ban on single-use plastics, of which straws, of course, are one of them. And uh, this is kind of quite a cool thing because across the whole of the reef, there's a couple of campaigns. The last straw on the GBR run by a girl called Nicole Nash. And this Straws No More run by Molly. Um, both really inspirational uh, young people. That sounds really old, doesn't it? Yeah, but they are, though. They're both inspirational and they're young. Well, we signed up for No Straws with Argo Expeditions. So our boat's now straw-free. Straw free. Um, there's a bar in Cairns the pier bar that's um, got rid of straws saving them 240,000 straws a year Amazing. just one bar so I think there's about 130 operators or boats now signed up a whole lot of hotels signed up now the city of Cairns is signed up so yeah so congratulations to Molly and um, Nicole and Bob Manning and um, you know if we can do it in Cairns we can do it anywhere along the reef and if we can do it anywhere along the reef why can't we do it in Sydney and in um, Melbourne and in Canberra? And so what's in, next? They're looking like bamboo utensils and getting rid of all that yeah, other so stuff. Yeah, so we're basically the whole thing is part of the Citizens Project as well. Is like how do we go after all single-use plastics? And as we were saying in the first half of the podcast, there is something amazing happening around the world on plastics. I think suddenly everyone's just gone. That's kind of enough. It's crazy, you know, the amount of packaging you get, the fact that you don't really need a straw in your drink, the fact that you know. Uh, everything is just so plastics driven and it's so unnecessary so let this be the start of a wonderful thing and uh, congratulations to all those who signed up we're running ads along the reef naming all those who have signed up and um, it would be great to find some people who wanted to run the same kind of campaigns in um, in cities around the world they'd all be welcome on the citizens platform I saw something on social media just a, a week or two ago one of those plastic rafts there were penguins standing on it Really? Yeah. This, is it, where's this? Antarctic? No, no. It was out. It's some of those more temperate species of oh, penguins. Really? And there was like this big plastic raft. And there were a couple of, I think, like blackfoot penguins or something like that. Oh, they looked happy. Standing or? on plastic. It's mental. It's just. There was that crazy video. You see that one, the barley video where the guy oh. was swimming through all the. Yeah, all well, the trash from the manta rays go. Oh. I mean, they went viral. I mean, it's images like that are so important yeah. for, um, to getting these messages out and just getting people to finally go enough is enough I've got a friend in Bali at the moment yeah and she's got two young kids and they're just spending every morning picking up plastic off the beach you know it's just enough is enough yeah no it really is and it's just so easy to do something about well, it's good to see the momentum going yeah no it's good I'm very happy with that and it's a good kind of citizens project so we're actually starting some stuff now uh, with the Mesoamerican Reef which I found out is the world's second largest barrier reef Caribbean oh yeah all the way around yep. Belize Mexico and uh, they're, they're, they're doing it their own version of citizens. So we're, we're starting that conversation at the moment. So if we can do it here on the reef, where else can we do it? Yaman. 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 Right. What else have we got? Oh, I'm, um, we're close to wrap, aren't we? Oh, we are. Which is uh, Segway. Segway. Similar to your, um, to your movie. So how are you going on that? Are you nearly done? Yeah. We, um, oh, this yeah. is the, the marine one, not the other movie. Yeah, it's the, other, yeah, no, no. It's the um, 3D IMAX movie on the Great Barrier Reef we're almost finished yeah we had um, some pickup shots we were doing last week uh, so the what's a pickup shot well it's just so they're in the final stages of edit and sometimes you get a bit of a hole 
you know, once you write the script and, you know, linking shots that are yeah. missing. So then you, you go back out and do pick-up shots. And so, we're yeah, all last week we're doing them. We sort of finished yesterday. Yesterday we finished those. Um, I'm off to Rain Island tomorrow for a week on research to do up there, but also drone mapping as part of my research and a couple of little pickup shots up there as well. Um, so, yeah, it's all coming to a head. So When's the movie out? Apparently, word is, uh, between you, me, and, and mum, who listens yeah. to this, so there's only three of us or no, Obviously. but, you know, the um, 4th of July weekend uh, in America is when the, um, the theatres want to start showing it then. Um, we don't know... So you're going to do, like, a premiere with a DVD or something? A premiere... Like on your own, in a theatre? In a theatre, yeah. I'll be sitting there by myself going, welcome to the film. <laughs> but yeah. yeah well, are you going to do something special? Is it going to be, is it going to be a launch? Is it going to be like a, a premiere? There'll have to be a pre- Well, there'll be an Australian premiere at some stage. We've decided because we all want to have a party. But that'll probably be after. Where, where's the IMAX? The only IMAX theatre in Australia at the moment is in Melbourne. The Sydney one's closed while they're rebuilding it. Oh. So we'll have to have, we'll have a few, spe- and then... We can cut a version that can be shown on normal screens that we could have special events. But are you going to get a lot of um, celebrities at that? Or? Oh, I hope so. And um, well, you want an invitation again? I could see you angling. You always just want to. No, hang I'm out. not looking for. Yeah, yeah you just want to come along on the ride. No, I thought maybe we could interview some of the uh, celebrities. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. It would be like a list of people that you've tried to, um, you know, date. Oh, that'd be very short. So yeah. No, tried to date. I tried. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But now that's all coming. Finishing up, so all those discussions about premieres and what to do with it, they literally started those talks on the weekend. Oh, um, cool. But the trip to rain, tomorrow's the last of the summer trips, so we're up there doing the last of the um, turtle hatchling counts ah. to see how successful all the um, reshaping of the island goes. And um, you've only got five or six days on the island. It's pretty blowy and windy up there, so it's not going to be... It's crappy weather at the moment, isn't it? This has to be, I reckon, the weirdest summer I can ever remember in terms of weather. Well, how much, I mean, even the rain here, people saying it's the most amount of rain we've had here for like 20 years. Yeah, 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 without a doubt. But for us filming, we have only had three or four day windows. Yeah, because you're filming in mud. It's just back to back and just like, you know, during the peak of the rain, when we went out to the outer reef, the viz was only a few metres, you know, and it was just... um, but yeah, at least we're getting to the end of the um, the wet season. It has been epic. It's but it... pouring today. Oh. But I mean, a couple of weeks ago, um, this is for the listener, uh, I actually saw some video that there's a cable car that goes up from Cairns up into the, uh, to the tablelands behind Cairns called Skyrail. And uh, um, the video that they had for the Barren Falls was extraordinary. I mean, just in a mad level. Weren't you saying there were a load of people trying to film it with drones and they... Losing all their drones in there. Well, one, it was illegal for them to launch the drones. Yeah, and then yeah. The drones, when they launched them, were crashing because of all the humidity. Because of all the water. But we um, we went up and did some filming at, in slow motion of, yeah. of the um, waterfalls and just absolutely epic. So we'll link that to the, um, to the so pod, people can have to a look at the, the pod, podcast and have a squiz of the chaos that was happening up there. So, yeah. So, no, it's the... Um, but I, I was thinking wet season would be drawing to an end and it just... Spelted down today. Keeps on going. Oh, no, I know. I was driving through sl- floods earlier on, but um, so that's what I, that's what I'm up to. I've got right. to do that. Then I go to Heron Island for a week. Um, You're on Heron. So we're doing a four-part series for China on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so I'm oh. down there doing filming of that, and then I'm back for a week, and then I'm off to Fiji for bull shark research for a week, 
And then I fly straight back from that and go to Hamilton Island to hang out with the uh, 20 biggest CEOs in Australia. Do you get on that gig? You're on that gig, are you? Yeah, I'm on that gig. Oh. So, what yeah. they make you do? Are you taking Argo? Yeah, we're taking Argo down as a snorkel boat, and then I'll, I'll do a presentation about the IMAX movie and, you know, just hang, hang, hang yeah, with the team and the Great Barrier Reef Foundation people. So That's exclusive entry. It's very exclusive. I, I cannot yeah. believe I get invited. I cannot I, I, understand how I get invited. This is like really, because all these really important people are all put together, and then there's Richard. But you know, hopefully this year I don't have to serve drinks. You know. You're important, mate, and you've got a boat. <laughs> I don't have a boat. My boss has a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, what right. are you up to? I am off down to. Come on, name drop. You always no, get no, better no. names than me, Prince Charles, and all these. Yeah, no, no. I am actually doing some celebrity shenanigans. Um, not this week, but next week. Ooh. Down in Melbourne, more to, more in the next podcast. I oh, see. So can't um, say which celebrities. Any hints? I can't. Sworn to secrecy. I can't because you'll try and uh, make me uh, set you up for some sort of dating scenario, or we'll be really awkward again. Okay. Um, but uh, but this weekend is the the Reef Hackathon oh. uh, thing at JCU. So I'm involved in that. I think we're doing some stuff for citizens there. But this and, JCU um, where we're sitting right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently. Oh, okay. Um, and, What's um, a hackathon? For those of us that don't know what a hackathon is, it's a really good question. So there's question question is whether or not they're whether they're of use or not. But basically, a hackathon in this case is is uh, you know you pose a problem, a whole lot of people come together on a Saturday and try and work out some answers and see whether you can build some sort of oh well, you can a tell good us more. project out of the back. We'll see how it goes. Excellent. Um, I've seen some good ones and some bad ones, so we'll see how we go on this one. Okay, well, that brings us to a close for this podcast. Nice one, Richard. Well, good luck on your, um, your next two weeks. You have fun, mate. Yeah, and... Um, and uh, I'll see you on the other side of... And hello, Mum. I know you're uh, my only person that listens to this. I so. wish my mum had the internet, because yeah, we'd oh. have two listeners. <sighs> oh, well. Actually, right. I just remembered Mum's away on a cruise for a few weeks. So we just We've did We've got this. no visitors. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Radio. Cheers, cheers, all. Cheers.